gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. I actually, uh, this is my Uncle Sam hat, if you're checking us out on Facebook, but it was in the backseat of my car, and I think one of my kids crushed it, so it's sort of bent. But that's okay, man, because Uncle Sam's not perfect. This country's not perfect. Our people, our humans are not perfect, and this hat's not perfect. And it's not staying on very long anyway, because I got my real hat right here. But I figured I've worn this hat on every episode of this program for this month of July. Today's July 29th, 2022. I'm your boy, Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector. And this whole month has been dedicated to nonprofit organizations who are serving our veterans. We've heard the terms, excuse me, we've heard the, the statistics 22 a day. 22 veterans have found no way out other than to tragically take their own lives. And that is an absolute tragedy. We need to address this. We need to talk about it. There are organizations out there that, that are having these conversations that are providing resources, and that are coming together to collaborate. And now, while I did not serve this country in that capacity, I feel that my level of service is to help, is to help organizations get out there, tell their message, and as I like to say, amplify their story. And specifically this month, it's been all these, um, well, actually today we'll make six different veteran organizations over five weeks. And... Uh, I think there's another program out there. I think there's a show that I'm going to do, and I think it'll be just a show weekly where I only bring on a veterans organization. I'm so drawn. I think philanthropy and focus will, con- no, I don't think philanthropy and focus will exist, but I think there's another show out there where every week we have this conversation and every week we have this dialogue. It's going to be folks like Dan Lombard who are going to tell me, Tommy D, yeah, maybe that's right on, or maybe it's not, but we'll talk about that today. We were just doing a little networking. I'm going to switch hats because, this is a little bent and it looks a little silly. It looks even more ridiculous than when I bought it at CVS for $6.99. Shout out CVS. What up, CVS? So today is, is really, uh, you know, it's funny because we had another guest scheduled, two guests, um, Jenny and Stefan Hespler from Operation Vest, Veterans Ending Suicide Together out on Long Island. And I totally, Dan, appreciate you uh, jumping in at last minute. We've had Project Refit on the program in the past, but it was just uh um, unfortunately, Stefan and Jenny had to reschedule and you guys really jumped right in and I totally appreciate that. So Dan Lombard is with us right on, man. One of the, one of the founders of Project Refit. Good morning, my brother. How are you? What's going on? Good morning. I'm good, man. How are you? Thanks I'm for having doing, me too. I'm doing good, man. Yeah, I'm psyched to have you here. I mean, we we just chopping it up a little bit in the virtual green room and uh, getting to know each other. So I, I'd love I've had your co-founder and partner in this in this venture, James Corbett, on the show years past. Actually, last year he was on the show. I met him through networking, like I meet most people. Um, you know, this show is, as I call it, philanthropy in focus. I call myself the nonprofit sector connector, and it's all about networks. It's all about people. It's all about connecting. And like anything, I, I, we're not strong if we're not together. We're not strong if we're not connected. I had the opportunity to to text James and say, "Dude." What's the deal? Can we get somebody on the show? And we're here now. So that's talking networking. That's talking connection. Yes, so that's how the whole thing works. So why don't we start with, with you, Dan? Tell, tell us about, you know, your service, maybe even your, your upbringing, what drew you to, to yeah, to sure. Service and, and how that all kind of came to this organization you guys created. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, um, I'm 32 now. So I enlisted when I was 23. I grew up in a, um, I mean, run-of-the-mill household, you know, but the parents, their relationship was ending. So there was the, all the fight and stuff. So I think that, that contributed, that was one of the main reasons in me, me joining was to get out of the house. But I also didn't have, I knew I didn't have motivation, drive, determination. I haven't sown my oats, none of that stuff. So I was, I was 23 at the time. 
Um, hadn't gone to school yet. I was work, working two jobs, helping with the house and everything. And then I, I tried doing the Marines first, but I have a, a chest tattoo and um, something else. And they, they, they weren't, they weren't fond of that. So uh, it was a year process. Um, still didn't hear anything. So I went to the army recruiter and he said, well, have you signed in two weeks? I said, okay. And then two weeks he had me sign. So I kid. went to be, no, he was not. They, they wanted their, they wanted their numbers. <laughs> um, so I got, I signed my May 6th. I went to basic training. Um, so I did, uh, did basic training in AIT uh, at Sand Hill in Georgia. Um, so I graduated basic training and went to my, my unit. I was stationed at Fort Bliss in at Fort Bliss, Texas. Um, and I had just gotten to the, to the base. I mean, they picked me up from the airport and they said in two months you're deploying. Um, so I was like, oh, all right, that's, I'm a fan of that. Wait, wait. So, um, so you go there, you go to the army recruiting office, two weeks you're in, you're right. right. Then I do, then I do like a three month training. Yeah. The day after I get out of that three month training, they say in two months you're going to. They thought it was Egypt. The person I was talking to said Egypt, but it was Afghanistan the whole time. Um, so I was in uh, West West Afghanistan. We were a, a heavy weapons company, so we were in Mat Bs. So they're basically like um, up armored jeeps. They're 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 very armored. They have V bottoms, so if there's a bomb underneath, it disperses instead of just going straight up. It goes to the sides, so it's not as uh, impactful. So, um, yeah, we were a heavy weapons company. We had uh, um, five vehicles. Uh, Mark 19 was one of them, which is an automatic grenade launcher. Um, that's important for a story that's coming up. Um, so when we got to Afghanistan, we weren't uh, in charge of Afghanistan. Like the, uh, We were in charge of our base to make sure that the Taliban didn't interject with our base or anything like that. The Italians that were on our base were in charge of the combat operations. So my leadership wanted combat operations. Um, so they, I guess they pressed enough, uh, enough buttons and they said, hey, we want to start doing some missions. So they started letting us go out on screen lines, which is um, the Taliban – they patrol the villages the same way we do. They just do it at nighttime. So we would go and sit outside of a village for eight hours, however long, about like 600 meters out and see if anyone does it. Um, oh, you're so looking we were on our, your, your, your unit is out there watching to see if the Taliban is going to, to go in. Just going in villages and even talking to the people because that's what we do. We go and we talk. Are you, are you sympathizers for the Taliban? Do you want the Americans here? What's the case? Um, most literally most of the time it was, can you please get the Taliban away from us? Like they're, they're taking everything from us. Um, so a couple, I mean, I had my first firefight because of that. Um, I was in probably, I'd say like a dozen, maybe, maybe a little, a little more. It's hard, hard to say, obviously, but the, um, the most impactful thing I think was the, uh, I got blown up twice. Um, the first one was a 200 pound IED. So that was, uh, those vehicles are, our vehicles use jet fuel because it won't catch on fire as fast. So I was driving, I was the second vehicle in formation. So there was one in front of me, uh, three behind me. Uh, you're about 75 to hundred meters apart from each other, each other. And you're taught that if you, if the vehicle in front of you doesn't hit an IED, improvise explosive de- device for anybody not listening. It's just a roadside okay. bomb. Yep. Um, if the vehicle in front of you doesn't hit one of those, then the, there's a really good chance you're not going to either um so i was following the same dan you're following the same path right so yes i'm following their tire marks that makes sense right yes yes um so the issue with that is though so so we were driving in a it's called a wadi it's a river without the water 
You know what I mean? It's just a riverbed. So they use that as a highway, the locals, and then we use that as a highway, obviously. So there's a lot of tire marks. There's a lot of track marks. It wasn't just our vehicles, track marks that had to be followed. Um, So I was in a conversation with my lieutenant who was sitting to my right. And I was talking about how we were talking about how we were the only platoon who hadn't gotten blown up by an IED yet. So I had turned to him because I have a habit of looking at people when I speak to them. And when I turned to him, I'm driving, I turned to him, my main vehicle made their turn. So I didn't see where they turned. Yeah. I was like, "Mm," didn't, didn't see where they turned. So I had to guess really. It was, it was, it was a, an entire, it was a guessing game. Um, So I guessed wrong. So my back left tire um, hit the, uh, or I don't know what hit the pressure plate, but the IED hit the back left tire. So the back left tire flew off. um, And that's like a, probably like a four or five foot tall tire. You know what I mean? They're not small tires. Um, So it hit the fuel line and the oil line. um, So that immediately ignited a fire in those vehicles. Each door has a a metal lever about a foot long. It's called a combat lock. You pulled over nothing from the outsides getting in. Um, I didn't come. Now remember I was driving, so I didn't combat lock mine and the interpreter behind me didn't combat lock his. So when the IED went off, it's an implosion, then an explosion. So when the implosion happened and then it exploded, the doors flew open because they weren't combat locked. So uh, let me stop you for a second. That combat yeah, lock, that combat lock thing you're saying, <clears throat> that's not a reaction to something happening. That those are things that you would do that's, that. Like normally, that's preventative measure from keeping yeah. anybody from coming into the vehicle that I don't want in the vehicle while we're outside of base. Um, yeah, no problem. Um, so we had uh, for some reason. Well, no, I know what the reason is. Never mind. We had a hundred round belt of seven six two, so that's what our two forty shoots. Um, that's what our two forty shoots. So it was a mounted two forty, or it was a dismounted two forty. Somebody had left a, a a belt of their ammo in my vehicle, and then we had six hundred and twenty forty mic mics. So that's essentially a grenade bullet. It's the size. It looks like a, it's like the size of a a soda can, basically. Six hundred and twenty of those in the truck. So when that IED, when the when the bomb went off the implosion went out, blew those doors open and my helmet blew off with it. So it like broke the helmet strap and my helmet flew out also, or flew, I don't know where it went, flew. Um, and then I blacked out. So I don't know how long I was out. could be a minute, minute and a half. Who knows? Nothing over that. I don't, nothing over that. Um, I'd say under a minute, probably like 45 seconds max. Um, so when I woke up, um, picture the movies, the, the dust falling, like you can pick that out of the air, hundred percent happened. Um, ringing in the ears, but that's everybody knows that happens with any loud noise. Um, but, but my life, so you can't hear anything. You, you can't. I couldn't. You just yeah, for the. I mean, for for a good amount. I mean, not like fifteen, ten, fifteen minutes. Right. But like for that time coming back, no, I couldn't hear. I couldn't. I could hear what was happening in here, basically, um, because I was in fight or flight immediately, like immediately. So my helmet broke off. I'm unconscious, came to, I'm on fire from the waist down. Um, so my door, so my, my butt was out of my driver's side door, basically. And I was, I was kicking my legs in and out to alleviate, like one leg had all the fire and then one leg had no fire. And it was kind of just popping them back and forth. So it wasn't complete fire on everything. Um, so you're, you're trained to, there's a, um, a cord that connects all of it. You pull that cord, the whole body armor falls out and I could have climbed over. I was in shock. So obviously I wasn't thinking about a cord at that time. Um, 
So I couldn't climb over the radio mount and I couldn't get out my door. So you're, are you uh, my, stuck at this point? I'm, I'm stuck. My, I'm, my kits, my body armor is too thick to climb out of the passenger side. And then the left side is fire. And there's a lake of fire because that's where all the, the fuel is too. There's a puddle of fuel. Where there's one bomb, there's usually two. So am I going to jump out and jump onto the second one? But like, there's too many. Is it an ambush? Because IEDs are usually initiators for an ambush. Oh, wow. So am I jumping out and getting shot immediately? Luckily, none of that was the case. I don't know if there was a second one. It didn't go off, at least. Um, so I lost my train of thought there. Well, I scroll a lot. I, you're trying to get out yeah, of here? Yeah, thank you. Yes. So I, so I remember talking to my um, – so I was the only one left in the vehicle. And I remember talking to my lieutenant. Um, he was – he was African-American, but like truly like he was from a tribe, like he enlisted yeah, from Africa. Right. I loved him. He's such a good person, bad leader, bad leader in combat mm. human. I loved him. Love him. I still talk to him every now and then. Um, he was more aware. So our vehicle, our vehicles are tan. This vehicle was the only one that was like this. Mm -hmm. So the Taliban saw the only African-American Lieutenant talking to locals and the only multicolored vehicle they put a head out on our truck immediately like you know what i mean it was it's simple yeah it's it's an easy target he's an easy target unfortunately so when that so he nicknamed our truck mother earth so when the truck was burning he was screaming mother earth now he was obviously in shock too i've never really actually taken that into consideration i'm only thinking about i'm on fire he wasn't on he was standing outside the truck but one of his dudes is burning alive his vehicle is, is gone so when that, when that IED, I forgot this part, when the IED initially went off, we have a gunner in the vehicle. He's standing up. And I, I, I want to say like that much is showing from like the top of the vehicle. He's like, right. He's, he's out. Like he's almost waist level. Yeah. Almost waist level is, is, is out. You have, I mean, you have cover around you, but almost waist level, but you have a harness that straps into you under the groin, everything that gets you. It's, it's all points of contact basically. And it's, but it's only held in by like one D ring. So when that 200-pound IED went off, that harness just ripped off. It didn't hold anything in. So Bravo. You just got injected? Land, landed right on the hood, blacked out. Now, I don't know if this is a memory or if this is something my brain's just done. But I remember, or I, I can see, let me say that. I can see the fire wisping over the hood, and he's blacked out on the hood. Now, whether that's an actual memory or my brain's formulated that, who knows? Yeah. But him and I shared the same psychiatrist and psychologist after we got out and the only reason i mentioned that is because um i remember screaming like yo i'm on fire you know yeah. what I mean? like a a, a a grown man right yell, yeah. uh, picture someone burning a lot that blood curdling scream that's what it was so bravo and i shared we he told that in therapy so they they then told me which they don't do but they uh -huh. they see that can help me that's something that i because that's holding so, on to a lot and that may may or may not help you process through some of that exactly because, yeah 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 so so he so that's actually what woke him up from being unconscious was hearing my blood curdling screams so if i need to process it and i'm going down a bad route i can i can try and say me screaming like that could have saved Bravo's life though wow if I, you know what i mean like to try, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. try and put it in its place for me well, so and, i'm and, not constantly and, going right, down a bad that, route and, and if that serves you, right, well, then why not have that be the narrative, right? I mean, nobody, absolutely. nobody gets hurt from that being the narrative, right? I, I will tell you all, this isn't, I, I didn't expect 
that, that we'd be going into such detail. And I'm appreciative of it, man. I really am. I, I truly appreciate your candor and telling me all this and telling my listeners and folks checking in. Absolutely. This story, because those of us who, who don't serve and, and or even I guess some who have served and have not been in a combat situation just don't know the stories and don't know what actually happens. And um, and, you know, you're here to tell us about it. And and eventually this is this is going to go to why the organization exists and even the stories. And we should go back to when we, when we go forward now. <laughs> That's funny. I said we should go back when we go forward. But we should when we, <laughs> as we continue, you know, the story about Project Refit, the logo, the, the coloring and stuff like that. Yep. 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 Yeah, James got me very kind of amped up about so i want you to do it as well I, and i'm I, glad i wore this shirt so you i know can, I, now they can actually see the i see i know yeah. that i i wore a mess t-shirt everybody let's go mess that's very a whole nice. other problem very nice yeah <laughs> so <laughs> let's do this let's uh let's take a quick break we come back i want you to continue the story i will tell you uh dan and i had a meeting before the meeting right here and that blood curdling scream and things that he it probably there was probably some foul language when he screamed out that blood curdling scream but <laughs> we joked sure there was we joked about that we have such a, a, a varied audience that plug into this show. So he uh, he toned it down as, as a gentleman for me and, that's, that, and for all you too. So, so thank you for doing that, Dan. Thank you for being here. We are going to go to a quick break, 90 seconds on the clock. When we get back, we'll continue that story and eventually get into the evolution of what, what form Project Refit. This is Philanthropy and Focus. I'm Tommy D. Dan Lombard's here. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics in the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So come through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. That's right. Join me in the attic any day except today. I'm actually traveling right now. But most of the time, I'm at the top of my house, just below the roof, two flights away from the kitchen in my attic. But I'm not today. So 
you know, I'm traveling in an undisclosed location in the Northeast of the United States. I keep saying that. And then I end up telling everybody where I am anyway, Dan. So <laughs> listen, <laughs> I'm so psyched you're here. I'm, I'm going to share uh, the website is projectrefit.us, projectrefit.us. Uh, Dan was telling us, Dan Lombard is telling us, one of the co-founders of the organization is telling us his story. Um, I just want to read right quick off the website the mission, I had it pulled up, but working on one monitor, not in the attic, it slows me down a bit. But Project Refit's mission is to combat isolation. We plan to accomplish this by building the community of the future, both on and offline. We serve military veterans, we serve the military veterans and first responders. Dan, let's go back, Tell, continue that story as much or as little as you want to, so we know what's going on. Yeah painted a picture for us and I want to actually have you get to a point where you tell us when you came back and 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 you what was it what was the catalyst that said you know we need to get absolutely out and do something so take it away yep yeah so I mean like I said I was on fire from the waist down all that stuff was happening um uh at some point one of the guys was screaming take your kid off take your kid off and then I guess it it clicked and I took it off um, as I jumped out of the, of the vehicle, Bravo had come to, and he jumped on top. And so I didn't have body armor. I didn't have a gun. I didn't have a helmet. I was like this, but in Afghanistan in, in the middle of combat. Um, so Bravo had, uh, his M9. I don't remember what his gear was. I think he had stuff on, but I don't, I don't want to say. So he had his M9 and he was standing at the top of the Wadi to see if, um, it's about, it's about like a. 40, 40 feet up, probably. You know what I mean? Uh, from the, oh, the really? edge. So where you're down in this. So yeah, we're, we're in, we're, yeah, we're down in a depression basically. Um, in a valley, a very small valley. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I run, I run to the, to, to the lead vehicle. Um, they were about 75 meters ahead of me. Um, I'm still smoking and stuff. And I had, I was engaged at that time. So I had a, I had my cell phone on me cause I would have, you know, you get bored looking pictures, listening to whatever, the, whatever it is. Um, and we had two air force girls that had got attached to us for that mission for whatever reason. And I'm like, I had just thrown up. I'm still smoking and I'm, I'm freaking cursing, freaking out about my phone. Where's my phone. And this girl is sitting there like, what's happening. Like, oh, right. So I found my phone. I was good. Got met, got sent back to base. So something I didn't know was you have to call home. Get hurt. You have to call your next of kin. So my next of kin was my mom and she works at a school. Um, and I, I went to that school my whole life. So they know me. They know me. I would come home every time on leave, go speak at the school for the kids. Um, so I called the school and I, I, got, I got Mrs. Clayton. I said, hey, Mrs. Clayton, it's, it's Dan. Um, oh, my God, yeah. Now, I only talked to my mom over Skype or FaceTime video. It was never a phone call. Right. So, like, that's, that's a red flag. Yeah. So my mom, so I have one, I have another brother. So the lady said, hey, your son's on the phone. My mom said, which one? And she said, Danny. So she knew. Um, so I said, hey, mom. I got blown up. I'm good. I got. I have all my legs. I'm not. I'm not missing anything. But I got blown up. So you know, all. And then I got blown up a second time. Same thing. So I got. I studied nine months in Afghanistan. I came home. We lost my sergeant major there too. Um, bad firefight. Um, so I left Afghanistan. Came home for four months. That unit, my the, this unit, the unit I was in Afghanistan with, was made specifically for. Um, Afghanistan. So when What's President that? Obama some declared, listen, some people just listen in and Dan. So shout it out. Shout oh, I'm sorry. So that's a, um, it's Demon Company two five. So I was at a three one. That was the um, brigade. Yeah. 
uh, division. I'm sorry. It's been so fucking long that I – oh, <clears> it's, it's been so good. long we, that I purge it. We knew one, it was going to happen. We knew it's we did. That, we that's that. the one. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, that was, that was 25 yeah, minutes. My, 25 minutes we made that before we hit that one. So it's all good, man. That's, I think that's a record. Um, <laughs> see, I was I – was, so, yeah, so I was with Demon Company 2-5. That was my company. Um, so that whole unit was made for Afghanistan. So when President Obama declared the war in Afghanistan was over, that unit is it's disbanded. So we got everybody gets got sent through the rest of the base, just the dozens okay. of units that are in the base. So I got with this one unit and they said, hey, in four months, we're going to Africa. Do you want to come? That's extra money. Absolutely. I want to come. Um, so we went to Djibouti, Africa. Now, the way it works, not many people know this. So so when there was like the whole invasion in Iraq and all that stuff, they were doing 15, 18 month deployments back to back to back. Right. And like, it's you, you, your brain breaks. But you literally, that. literally so, that meant, and I remember again, hearing that as a civilian, just being shocked. So you mean that, and then they would just be out there forever. That sounds Mm-hmm. I don't want to say completely. They'd be out there for, like, I know dudes who went out there for 15 months, yeah. came home for, like, one or two, and then was out there for another 12 months. That's, it's, that's too much, that's too much t- high tempo yeah. on a brain, in my opinion. I mean, not yeah. even my opinion. A lot of scientists agree with that, oh, too. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, um, swirled there. So you're, co- you're going to Djibouti. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Djibouti. So, so it's called dwell time. So, technically legally i'm not allowed to be deployed if i if i deployed to combat so afghanistan i'm not allowed to be deployed again until i've spent the amount of time home that i spent deployed mm. so if i'm deployed for nine months i got to be home for nine months but i can waive that i can say hey i'm i'm, I'm good to go well, when, you uh, say, I want, so I, when you say that nine months you're away for nine mm-hmm. and let's say you you either need or want the full nine home what did, what goes on at that point are you are you on leave? Are you just, you know, whatever a civilian who serves? Yeah, you you go on. So you you go on leave before deployment, yeah, and after deployment. Sometimes in the middle, but, but that's, does that mean again? Those again 15, I, 18 months. Yeah, I misspoke. I don't mean a civilian who serves in the military, folks. Don't beat me up on that one. What I meant was now you're you're military. You're on leave. Does that mean you have to show up at a base somewhere? And or you literally just if you're on leave, no, yeah. no, no, no. If you're on leave, you're a, you're a civilian again, technically. But like at any point, they can say, "Screw your leave. You're come. You got to come back to base now." You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, like it, like like me being like I was stationed in Texas, I wouldn't have to go to like Fort Dix. That's what I'm like, saying. Really yeah, no, 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 any responsibility day in and day out. No, not when you're on, not when you're on leave. No, okay. no, it's it's truly used for what it's supposed to be used right. for, Understood which is rare in the military. <laughs> um. <laughs> So I waived my dwell time. I went to that second deployment. And that's really where I started noticing I wasn't where I was before I went to Afghanistan. That's where I noticed I wasn't the happy. Like, I was a very, like, I was a soft person. You could, I was a wet noodle. I was, I was just, I was a bleeding heart. Still am in certain aspects, but obviously it's a little callous, we'll say. Um, So yeah, my parents were going through a divorce then. And that's really what, uh helping my mom out that's really what what kind of set the the precedence for where my brain needed to be i guess um so when i got back from afghanistan or from africa i started going to behavioral health i started doing um well what i had to go to the doctors so i was leaking i was leaking pus out of my nipples Mm. and it was my hormones were so just my because of the brain the concussions and just like how negative the brain was thinking it was changing the chemicals in my brain and it was coming out 
right yeah. insane so i had to so i went to the doctor and he's like dude it's either breast cancer testicular cancer brain cancer or stress mm-hmm. and i'm like dude it's stress i know it's stress can we just skip it and he said um we're gonna get all the tests so checked all the tests no cancer thank god um so i had to go to therapy uh, one time i was forced to go, you have to do therapy i was like all right whatever i have never left therapy since like I, i've purposely i purposely have stayed in i know i i thrive in therapy but with that in the beginning i was one of those veterans which i think many if not all of us do this we have to we feel as if we have to talk to somebody who has experienced something similar or more Mm. for them to understand what and that's just i have learned now that's not the case it helps it helps a lot but it's not it's not necessary it's not a necessity at all um so I started th- my very first therapist, Judith Huerta. I mean, she got me where I'm at. I was with her for, I don't know how long, probably a year, maybe. Yeah, a little over a year, I'd say. And I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for her. She, she knew my personality, I, I, especially in that place. I was that, I needed that foot in the butt kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, you're do this now. Okay. I have a chip on my shoulder, all that kind of stuff. So therapy, for whatever reason, it wasn't scratching that itch. For it, it wasn't doing what I thought or what I expected it to do with what I was dealing with. Um, so James reached out to me, actually. The other co-founder you, of Project. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to go to break in about 30 seconds. Okay. How, do you, how do you two know each other? And then we'll set it up and we'll come back. Yeah. So we're actually friends of a friend. Uh, when I came back from Afghanistan, we, I used to party with his best friend's wife now. I, his, I love his best friend, Dan. Dan, I uh, love him. Um, so... When I came on leave from Afghanistan, James just popped up to the bar. Yo, what's up? I was yeah. very drunk, so I didn't remember that. And he added me on Facebook. And that was that was initially how we met. Yeah. So he comes to you one day with what? What's this idea he's got? So he, he saw that I posted on Facebook. And I said, um, basically, I'm not who, like, this is to my people that I'm coming home to, my friends. I'm not Dan. I'm not the Dan you knew. Like, I'm, I'm, I get irritable really fast. I don't want to leave my house. I'm depressed at like, I, I started mapping out how yeah. I've changed for them. So it's not a surprise. <clears throat> and he saw that as a, um, as a leader, a sign of leadership. So he hit me up and he, he asked what the army does to prevent PTSD and suicide. And if the PTSD is diagnosed or suicidal attempts occur, how do they combat it? And I was in the middle of being medically discharged from the army. So it was, they don't, they don't, that's what they do. You mean, um, so, so let me just see if I can clarify yeah, more yeah. curiosity for those listening you're discharged medically you, you as a, a person but generally the person is discharged and then there's no what i would call aftercare that that it sort of ends right there no no so that's where it, that's where it gets a little fuzzy you if you have a va percentage you have aftercare okay you have aftercare it's now uh, vas differ some like my philadelphia va i have not had issues at okay i've had one like mm, that could have gone a little better than i would have thought it was going to go like one person gave a little bit of attitude but mm-hmm. as far as like the reason that are like veterans are killing themselves in stairwells or va parking lots i've never had anything like that happen at, at mine right. um but that's if you're that's if you have a percentage that's if you ha- if you have documentation that this injury exists you know what i mean Sp- spell that out for me too. What, what does that what does that mean a percentage and then we'll go to a break so so if the if the military agrees that they caused an injury to you they pay for that injury or they will either try and remedy it. So like my feet, I wasn't flat footed before the, or my PTSD for that matter, but my feet are a tangible one. 
My, I was not flat-footed, had beautiful arches. Now I do not have an arch. I, ha I did the insoles. I, yeah. did, I did their therapy stuff. It didn't work. So now they say, hey, here's 50%. Your feet will never get better. Got so it. this is the amount you get. So that all adds up. Well, that also, weird system. So psychologically, you know, or mental health or, or neurology, yes. neurological issues, that it is treated similarly. Yes. So all right, we're going to go to break. But what, what sure. I want to say is James comes to you. He's asking. He's inquiring. He's a friend of a friend. And somewhere out of that, you're going to tell me when we come back. Yep. Comes this idea for Project Refit. This is Philanthropy in Focus. It's Tommy D. Dan Lombard's here, co-founder of Project Refit. We'll be right back. Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauber, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. And we are back. This is philanthropy and focus in veterans recognition. It's it's veterans nonprofit recognition month because I say this all the time. If it wasn't for the organizations, the nonprofits that get out there and do the work to serve our veterans and and to serve their own communities when it comes to uh, you know mental health issues among civilians or food insecurity or any of the, the, the hundreds of thousands of services that nonprofits provide for our communities, who the hell is going to provide these services? Where do they come from? They're not, they, it, this place is not set up where, where everybody gets what they need. So it takes organizations to make sure that they do. And it's the nonprofit sector that does that. And if this is the first time you're ever hearing me, well, let me tell you, I'm incredibly passionate about this sector. I'm incredibly passionate about the work that gets done. And in the next 50 years that I have on this planet, and that's my projection, my whole job is to just shine a light on what these orgs are doing, help them get the funding they need, help them help them get the connections they need. And that's why I've always been a connector. And one day it hit me, wow, the nonprofit sector connector that rhymes i'm going to totally say that that's my name and that's what it is and that comes with a lot of responsibility and it comes with conversations like we're having today dan lombard 
co-founder of Project Refit was just uh, it led us through an incredible story. And if if I somehow did not say it yet, Dan, thank you, obviously, for your service, for what you've done for us, for what you've done, put yourself out there and for all the men and women who have done just the same and are there to to protect our liberty, liberties and, and really to uh, to go around this planet and do just that. So um, let's get into you, you now. All right. Yeah. You meet this guy, James Corbett. You've posted something really a, a very candid conversation on Facebook to explain. Gang, you knew Dan back then. This is a different Dan. I've evolved. I've changed. You know, I want you to understand this. And I'm, I'm cl- kind of clarifying, not clarifying, summarizing a bit of what you said. I want you all to understand that based on what I've been through, I'm a different human being. And and I think that's such a, a poignant conversation, Dan. And what a way to understand other veterans or, or, or people who have gone through some other type of trauma. We all are not always the same, you know. And I was I was talking to a couple of guys I had on the show um, last week and or two weeks ago. And uh, my buddy, Louis Falco, he goes, you know, Tommy, trauma is trauma. He goes, military trauma is one thing. And these guys are two, the two guys are on the show, Frank and Louis, uh, Vietnam veterans. And, uh, you know, trauma is trauma. People, we, we have to have compassion for each other. We have to have love for each other. We have to be sensitive to other people. And um, I'll tell you something you said, Dan, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to a, uh, you know, coach sort of therapist right now. And, I said, you know, I'm very sensitive. And she goes, well, Tommy, you know what the opposite of sensitive is? Insensitive. Who wants to be insensitive? And I go, you know what? Right, right. Right on, man. I said, you know, not that I was beating myself up, but, you know, you called yourself a wet noodle or something like that or soft. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. as as men, you know, there's certainly one way that, you know, we're maybe trained in certain parts of society to think as a tough guy and whatnot and not be as mushy. But, you know, raising two sons and two daughters right now where I'm at in this life, I mean... I try to be mindful of not saying, you know, don't do that or don't do that. Although I catch myself when my older son cries about nonsense, I, I tend to try to get, I give him a hard time about it. And I got I to uh, work through that. But, you know, it's, it's that story that you posted on Facebook that that sort of drew this connection with, with James and what turns into Project Refit, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I... um therapy I, I like I said I, it wasn't scratching that itch so I, I looked online for um, combat veteran support groups that's really I, I really just narrowed it down to that simple and there are none 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 uh, I found one and it was I'm not going to name them because it's a beautiful organization but where I was especially in the beginning when I said I felt like I needed to talk to somebody who had been through what I'd been I got so what I the the place I found was all typing it wasn't this. See, I need this. Yeah. I need to see that you are listening to me, that you okay. care about this conversation. It hurts to talk about. I don't want to talk about it to somebody who, who isn't listening. You know what I mean? Um, so it was just typing. It was just typing. And I got paired with a guy who was in the Navy in the 80s. So like, God bless you, dude. God right. bless you. Right but you can't, right now you can't, I would love to talk to him now. I would love to pick his brain now, but then he couldn't help me. So James reached out. We started talking and, uh, it was, it was typing. We were typing on Facebook and I was like, dude, can we just like kill the whole typing thing and just do a video call? And he was like, yeah, obviously. Um, so we did a video call for four hours and it was everything I needed to say in therapy. It was you so and right James there, talking? Myself and James. Yes. So, so that expectation I had set in the beginning, 
was was irrelevant at that point. What do you mean it, by that? Is he because he's not a veteran? He had not experienced anything that I experienced. Anything, even even remotely close to it, even on a civilian as far as we we knew then. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it was simply somebody caring and listening and not interjecting, not interrupting, not saying, "Hey, I've been through this too," uh, or, or any of those. Like he he was listening. He was critically listening, listening for the true aspect of it. Um, and right when I mean when I was essentially done venting for four hours, we both were like huh, I think this is really what it's peer-to-peer support. It's peer-to-peer. There's something about clinical health that veterans stay away from and don't want to go near, not even vet, a lot of people. I yeah. feel like people feel like therapy is that, that therapist is sitting with his folder and he's writing and you're just, and that's just really not what it is a lot anymore. Like that, that, that method is gone. It's a, it's a lot of this, what we're doing right here just normal conversations and then picking stuff apart in those other, in the conversation, little, little things that you have to, you might need to work on. So James and I started, started talking about it. And um, I would have a couple of my dudes cause we, I lived in the barracks. So it's like a big apartment building. You know what I mean? So I would have two, two of the dudes, they'd come through. They, we were throwing, they were throwing ideas. We were throwing ideas. We, we, we got the name down. So project refit. So when you go out on mission, when you come back, you refit your vehicle, you refit yourself, you get new ammo new food, whatever the case is, you, you refit. There's no refitting when you get out of the military. There's none. Nobody does it. You get the five-day workshop that they give you right before you get out, and then it's, see ya. You're welcome for your resume. Go find a job. Go, go, go find a job. Have fun. Have fun not having the camaraderie or the brotherhood or sisterhood or whatever hood you found. Have fun not having that anymore. Where we, we Project Refit, we realize, like you said, our, our, our mission statement, Combat Isolation. I for, firmly believe that the majority of people kill themselves because they're alone. Because they're isolated. It's the issues because they're isolated. It's the right. issues that are adding to it. Right. But if, if you have issues and we sit here and talk, those issues aren't as, as powerful. They don't, ha- they don't hold as much weight. Well, don't. In that example, though, I now have a connection with you. I have somebody. I mean, I've even heard it's, I'm sure it's different, but you know, I've heard this from some of the organizations that bring, that uh, bring animals into the lives of these veterans. And they have now, they have a commitment to that animal. They have a responsibility to that animal. And, and, you know, maybe that has, has stopped folks from, from ultimately taking their own lives, you know, because there's some, there's a connection. Why is it so goddamn difficult that this is ridiculous? Like this, what are we talking about here, Dan? We're talking about connection to human beings. You know, I yeah. joked about wearing a Mets t-shirt. And I give my buddy Mick Collins, who is a veteran, thank you for your service, Mick. And I know he's listening right now. And, and he's a Yankee fan. That's why I mentioned him with the Mets. But I, I just, you know, this is what we're supposed to be doing. But we get tribal. We get disconnected. We have different factions. And I like the Mets. And you like the Yankees. And it's cute. And it's good ribbing and giving each other a hard time. But the whole bottom line of this thing is we're here to connect we're a social being. I, I throw in what's gone on the last. I think year. that's the purpose of like when people are like, what, what's what's the purpose of humanity? It's that. It's that's that. It, man. Like we that's the thing. don't like we're a we're an organism on a rock in a come on. None of nothing matters. Nothing matters really. But connection and keeping people not miserable. If you look the way I see it, even if it's a stranger, if I can help somebody, if I see somebody struggling for a second, here's a dollar. Whatever. Or, or, I was at Home Depot. It was an older dude. He needed help putting shit, putting something in his uh, in his yeah. trunk. That, dude, change like it something that small. Yo, you it's, changed. It, you could have changed. 
I remember a time where, and we're totally missing all our breaks today. And Dylan, sorry, brother, love you, but that's that way it's going to be today. But look, <laughs> here's the thing. I remember being like in my 20s and I was, you know, I used to drink. I don't drink anymore. Most people who listen and know that it's 12 years, September will be 12 years. Good for you. And thank you, bro. Thank you. And, and I'll tell you, um, I was riding the F train going in Manhattan. I was going to college in New York City at the time. And I was just low for whatever reason, but pretty, pretty mm-hmm. low. And I caught eye contact with this girl. Now, she, she couldn't have been six years old, this child. And she smiled at me, man. And I'm getting done. She changed done. my. She changed the trajectory of that day and probably that week. And and I'm telling you, I was low. I'll just leave it there. All right. And then I wasn't anymore. And and that's the power we have for. Now each imagine day. if everybody went out with that mentality. Everybody went out with the mentality. Like, I mean, look, this is me right now. Obviously, I have my bad days. Obviously, I'm not yeah. in this kind of place 24 seven. But it's this should be a staple of humans. Yeah, it took, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. I was gonna say I'll I'll I'll, I'll jump into the pro. So so with Project Refit. So the reason I mentioned all of that because it's something you said that your friend said also. Trauma is trauma. Pain is pain. Hmm. Does the cause make it easier to talk about if you have a similar cause yes obviously it's some kind you, of rapport, right we got that right, in common, exactly right? exactly but if but if you've had some messed up stuff happen to you it's not obviously you haven't been shot at like i have you haven't been, it represents a level of pain take the cause away there's yeah. this much pain now your life dude you could your dog could have died and it could have caused you this much pain but i'm here mm. It's, it, it's all subjective. Every, every single conversation and situation is a variable to it. Nothing is ever the same. That's why I hate when people compare pain. It yeah. makes no sense. You have no idea how my pain, how it right. feels. Yeah. Um, so once we really started breaking that down, it's we, 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 I, we want to break the civilian veteran divide. And that oh, is love. what this conversation we're having is yeah. the way to do it. Your pain is the same level of pain I feel just because of a different reason. When we let go of the reasons, you're in pain, I'm in pain. How do we stop this pain? It goes to, it goes to the point, we're going to break in a second now. But it mm-hmm. goes to the point where, like I just said, even that divide, when I don't know if I should say thank you for your service, because I don't know if that's going to offend a veteran, like that's a disconnect, right? And, and I don't yeah. know the answer to that. We'll, you, we're not going to solve yeah, that. I'll, I'll get you. I got but, you. But we're going to have to bring you back on the show. I want to do, I'm going to come out. We're going to do a live thing. We're going to do a whole thing with the, with the, I want to talk about the mobile base, the whole deal. So here's what we got. We got probably about eight minutes when we come back from this break. I want you to fire off programs. I want you to fire off what you got need. You. I want you to fire off what's upcoming events and things like that. All right. We're obviously yep. going to run out of time before the two of us run out of words. That's sort of the theme of this show. This is philanthropy and focus. We're over time. That's how you know it's a good podcast. Of course, bro. It's a great show. I love it. That's why I want to do this five, six days a week. All right. We'll be right back. Take a break, Dylan. We'll come back. Me and Dan. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? 
Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. We're back. This is the lightning round. Dan, you don't know this, but I always wanted to be a game show host. So this is sort of like my uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. game show host. All right. <laughs> Buddy check-ins, the mobile base, connecting yep, yep. events, what's upcoming. I know there's golf outings and car shows. Tell me about it, man. Let's, let's run it down. So mobile base, um, for anybody listening, if you, want to, if you go on projectrefit.us, if you look at the top, there's approaches. You can click mobile base and you can see what it looks like. So we have a... Uh, um, uh, Sorry, we have a truck and a mobile base. The uh, mobile base is 24 feet long. We just got it wrapped. We have a nice truck with it too. The um, 2500 uh, Ram, beautiful. Um, so the whole thing behind this is we have the radio checks. Um, like we've talked about, the isolation is a very big piece in veterans. So this mobile base, if you want to isolate at home, we'll bring this base to you. We, we will come to your house and have the conversations instead of you coming to us. We want to take this to um, concerts, uh, any, anywhere where perfect yes yep i'm sharing this anywhere where um where are where veterans or first responders or their family members are at um we at uh senior citizen homes too i want to go to senior citizens homes i want to talk to vietnam vets world war ii vets korean war korean war vets they're sitting that's the we, we just came back from colorado we flew um 10 12 vet, vets out tell me about that i know we wanted to talk about it and i i don't yes, want it to just yes. so that was I'm talking about it that later. was insane dude that yeah. was insane so like i said we flew half with a dozen people out um it was a six-day camping on a on a on a ranch we literally camped there was tents to the right of the to the right of that picture you just saw um and we had events during the day, 8 a.m. and then 6 p.m. fly fishing, MMA training, horseback riding, those kinds of things. Wow. Um, but the only thing we required was that at 8 o'clock at night, we had a fireside chat. We had a bonfire with a bunch of seats around it. And that's where we had those talks, the deep conversations with peers who are not judging you, who, who, who may have experienced it before, but who also may have been hearing this type of stuff for the first time. Mm-hmm. And you're... You're, dude, you really, you get the other people's pain. You hear the way, the, just the inflections in their voice. They're, they're holding back a cry really quick. Those types of things matter in these conversations. It just, it makes you so much more invested. We had a couple dudes come out who they, they weren't in the best of places when they got there. They, just, they, they came for that reason. And the first night that they shared during that fire, the next day, dude, color in their face. They were asking, yo, do you need help with this? It, it's, 
so so I had James on last year and we talked about the mobile base and all these yeah. things we wanted to do and wanted to achieve. See, it's we're there now. Yeah. We got the mobile base. I we took that. it to a retreat. We got veterans to come out and attempt to do what we think fix this, but it it manages it at the bare minimum. The fact that that worked, ooh, so good, dude. Gave me it gives give me goosebumps right now. It's, it's giving me goosebumps. I'm I'm totally digging it. Just listening to it and and having like you know, just been kind of somebody watching, you know, the social media posts and whatnot that James throws out there and things like that. And, you know, um, this is, uh, I wanted to go to the place where we check-ins and stuff. I'm still on the website. So this is kind of like, yep. this is like the buddy calls radio. You guys tell me yeah, about so that. So every Monday and Friday, every Monday and Friday, 9 PM Eastern until about midnight. Uh, obviously if it's a good conversation, we're not cutting it off at midnight. Right. Um, it's it's usually top it, it is topic based so we'll go in with a topic um and that's just to keep the conversation not going crazy you know what I mean not branching off too far yeah. um the Monday one is uh, Wednesday doesn't exist anymore just for anybody okay. seeing that yeah, that right there the Monday, Wednesday one what you say Monday and Friday Mon- Monday's live stream to Facebook and then the Friday is the private one so you see so you'll see so I'll talk about like my suicide attempt on the Monday one every now and then I'll talk, I'll talk about my stuff because I'm, I can, you know what I mean? It's not as difficult for me anymore. Um, and that's so other people who have been through that similar spot. Um, they see that one other people two this dude's on a live stream talking about it. So it's, it's right. not as taboo as, as society makes it. And three, he's still here. So obviously right. he found this a dude, way to right. not he, do he, it. He was that, he was in that much pain and maybe sometimes is, but has found a way that he's still here and I can still be here too. Right. And I can find yeah. ways, but you know, that it's not so far and ta- use that word taboo and, and uh, words have so many, so words have meanings, obviously, but words really the way, the thing, the way we say things. And I've learned recently that, you know, I, every, at every attempt when I'm about to discuss this subject matter, I do not say commit suicide. Because there's this, this is not a crime, right? So talk to me, take your, they, this individual are taking their lives, right? I, that's what I say. I'm so, talk to me about that before we have to take it. So yeah, I'm glad you mentioned this too, because it's not talked about enough. I feel me personally, that suicide, I'm suicidal. I feel that that word is thrown around far too easy. I've had this conversation with my, I have goosebumps now. I've had this conversation with my therapist. It's called fantasy thinking. Most veterans do it. I am in an excru- I am in an excruciating amount of pain. Nothing I do fixes this pain. What is the only avenue? Right. That yeah. makes it. So it I don't. I don't want to die. I don't want my life. To I don't end. want to die. But what's I want the pain to end. I want the pain to go away. So that that's what they're thinking. That's what yeah. I was thinking when I did it. Yeah. But when you can when you can compartmentalize that that it's not my life I want to end. It's the pain. Yeah. <laughs> Well, then there's, there's, there's avenues to get rid of that pain, peer-to-peer support being one of them. Like that's, that's one of the main ones is peer to and, and I don't want anyone thinking that because we're peer-to-peer support and we're a nonprofit, go to a therapist, right. go to a therapist. Like P- Project Refit should not be your only therapy. We are, we are a piece of the puzzle. We're, we're, not, we're not the entire thing. We've had people stop, completely stop therapy because they found Project Refit helps. Right. Project Refit helps me too. Yeah. But I need to be in individual therapy. You need that structure. Project Refin is, is not a clinical structure. It's a peer-to-peer structure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that once you – if you 
if you can in the moment or be, even before that moment comes, because that's really what the trick is, is thinking this before the, the thought gets too potent, that you don't want to die. Your pain hurts. You want your pain to stop. And, and something I've done, and it may not work for everyone, but something I've done is I've made a little contract with myself that as long as one person loves me, I can't do it. It's not, I, I can't do it. Me. Now that doesn't work for everybody. That's, that's a guilt thing I'm putting on myself. So I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or not, but I don't, I if don't it, want to. Do I don't know if it keeps you here. If it keeps you here to the ripe old age of 92 or something like that, man, right. I don't know. We can, we all put these structures in place. <laughs> yeah. Come out of them. And I will tell you this from one man, I've never met you in my life until today. I love you, my brother. It's is what you've done for me today. And for the people listening is incredible. What you and James are doing down there at this organization is incredibly special. You're, you're changing lives, you're saving lives, and you're making an, a very special impact. This is the first time we've connected talking and, and seeing each other, but I know it will not be the last. Let me, no, will not. Let my, me know how my network can be a resource to you. We can't get into who you need to meet and whatnot. We'll talk about it later. We'll use the Facebook, you know, po- post it on the Facebook uh, feed later on. If there's certain people you want to know, um, to get more information, the website is projectrefit.us, projectrefit.us. Dan Lombard, co-founder of this incredibly special organization. I want to be a part of what you're doing, kid. I want to be helpful. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Uh, and for anybody listening, if you want to email me, um, d at projectrefit.us. My the, email, any questions, um, you, want to, you want to get involved, you want to volunteer for an event, you're, you want to know more about us, you want to donate, you want to sponsor an event, anything, anything at all. You can email me if you're a vet and you want to talk. Please email me. Just the or letter first responder. D. Yeah, just yeah, the letter D. D. Just at yep. projectrefit.us. We got to yes. go because we're overtime. We've been overtime yes, all show. Are. That's just how it's going to go today. Listen, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. I look forward to meeting thank you. Person. Be good, kid. Yes, Thanks, sir. Hey, bro. Thank you, man.